The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to episode 127 of Yeah, It's That Bad. My name is Joel. And I'm Martin. This is a show that looks at supposedly bad movies and asks the question, is it really that bad? And what that boils down to is that we look at movies that are around around tomatoes and reevaluate that score. Does it really deserve to be that low? Tonight's movie is 2005's The Island, directed by Michael Bay, starring Ewan McGregor, Scarlett Johansson, Jamon Honsu, Sean Bean, Steve Buscemi, and Michael Clark Duncan. The Island is a 2005 American science fiction thriller film, it currently holds a 40% on Rotten Tomatoes. How about a plot synopsis? In 2019, Lincoln 6 Echo and Jordan 2 Delta are best friends in a repressive and intriguing society where everybody expects to win the lottery. The prize is to move to a paradisical island outside the domes that protect the dwellers against the contaminated environment. Jordan wins the lottery and Lincoln accidentally finds the scary truth behind the utopian award. They are clones generated to provide replacement organs and parts to the owners of an insurance policy. Okay, The Island. What is your history with this? I've never seen it. You're kidding me. No, no way. This is my first time. I'm stunned. I'm I, shocked. I wanted to see it and I just kind of forgot about <laughs> it. <laughs> it just, <laughs> just lapsed your judgment? Yeah, yeah. This is this is probably the only Michael Bay movie, or at least Michael Bay mainstream movie that I haven't seen. As for me, I saw this movie the day it premiered. Kevin was there and if he was here, he would corroborate what I'm about to tell you. Were you dressed up as Ewan McGregor? I was, actually. From episode one? (laughs) Yeah, I still had my rat tail. (laughs) Okay, yeah, so we went to see this movie. It was like five other dudes. We were pumped. We were really excited to see this movie. You and five dudes were pumped? Yeah, we were pumping each other to see this movie. And we were all sitting in the theater, really hot and sweaty, stinky. You know, the the usual. That's what guys do. Yeah, of course. And uh, we were in the movie theater, and I, I have very, very distinct memories of us going into the movie, being really happy and excited and walking out of that movie being extremely angry and disgruntled. All of us across the board were pissed off at what we just saw. Why that happened? I don't remember. Maybe we can retrace my steps tonight here. Yes, that bad old headquarters. What do you think? I don't understand why you guys felt that way, but I'm not going to spoil my review. Okay, let's see. Let's do what we always do at the top of the show. We'll discuss the actors one by one and we'll see how you thought they did. First up, Ewan McGregor. This is forgettable for him. Really? The only part of this movie that I thought was really good was when he wasn't pretending to have an accent. Ah, okay. When his native tongue was coming out. Are you saying, yes, that bad accent rules are in play? For him in this movie? Yeah, absolutely. For, for those who don't know, what does that mean? If an actor has to mask a thick accent, all their acting powers are being sapped. Drained. So they're being drained. So like when it comes to actually dramatically acting in the movie, they're incapable doing it. They're very deadpan. You know what? And I also want to say that I don't think he had too much chemistry with Scarlett Johansson. No? No chemistry with ScarJo? No. I kind of agree with you. They were kind of platonic, really. They were like brother and sister. They really were brother and sister. And what ends up happening to them later on, uh, do you buy it? I don't know. Not really. Maybe because it was an emotionally charged situation. Maybe. But yeah, I agree with you. It is kind of awkward. But I liked him in this more than you did, I think. I like the character he was playing. It's very childlike. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I thought he did a pretty good job with this role. And I really liked when he had to play off himself later in the movie. Right. That that was the part of the movie where I thought his acting was very interesting and it was very well done. Yeah, he actually got to do some interesting stuff there. Next up, Scarlett Johansson. Is this the first time? Triumphant debut? Of Scarlett Johansson? On this show? I think it might be. Yeah, I'm not sure. I can't remember. But go on. Again, it wasn't very interesting. Like, I didn't find her acting appealing, really. You know, I've yet to find a Scarlett Johansson performance that I can hang my hat on and say, yep, she this girl's it. got talent. Yeah, exactly. I, it's never happened for me yet. To me, she's just a pretty face. I wasn't too happy with her performance in this movie. I thought it was forgettable. Okay, next I up. I thought that she could have been anybody, even Tara Reid. <laughs> okay, next up, Jamon Honsu. This guy's awesome. He was great in this. Did a pretty good job. He's not a very well-utilized actor in Hollywood, I don't think. What do you mean? Like, they're not putting him in enough stuff? Yeah, I want to see more of this guy. I can't think of a role that he's played that I dislike. He's good. Knows what he's doing. I believed that he was the character he was playing. All right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I buy that. Yes, yeah. I agree with you. I didn't believe you and McGregor <laughs> was some clone was some guy. Clone? Yeah, I just I was like, all right. <laughs> Next up, a real talent, Steve Buscemi. This is before Steve Buscemi broke out of the typecast that he was put in. This is right before it. Bordock Empire? Yeah, this is right before that. This is right before he finally, you know, endless waltzed his way out of being typecasted. <sighs> okay. As the weird ancillary side side character. Resident weirdo guy. Yeah. Now, John Goodman is stuck in that role. Wow. Really? You think so? He's stuck in the eccentric side character. I hate that. Huh. Interesting theory you got there. As for Steve Buscemi, I thought he brought a lot of life to this movie. He's great. Yeah, he was like a, a shining supernova <laughs> next to Ewan McGregor's black hole. <laughs> Oh, when Scarlett Johansson was on screen with Steve Buscemi, it was almost like she was she just didn't exist. <laughs> she ceased to be. Oh, he, did he put on a clinic? Oh, it was ridiculous. It really, he did. He really did, right? He put yeah. on a clinic. It was, you know, it was bizarre when they were acting, like after Ewan McGregor's character gets into like the mechanical part of the island itself where they first meet up and Steve Buscemi's like interacting with them. Yeah. It's almost like Steve Buscemi came from like a bed better, more competently created movie, and Ewan McGregor was like a kid trying to like recite lines out of a high school play. Next up, Michael Clark Duncan. He was in the movie very briefly, but I thought he did a very good job with what he had. I can't think of a, of a role that Michael Clark Duncan plays that I don't like either. I thought he was fantastic in this. I He's, mean, like I said, he was in it briefly, but the things they had him do added a lot to this movie. Like when he was like screaming and crying for help later on, I thought that was a fantastic scene. You know, he's typecasted because of his physical size, yeah. which is unfortunate because he's a good actor. Gentle giant. He's a gentle giant. He's always portrayed as a gentle giant. Okay, and finally, I saved the best for last, making his triumphant return. Yes, that bad. I dare say, this guy, he's gunning for patron saint status on this podcast. He's pretty close. I mean, we have to have a midnight meeting about it, and until our fingertips touch, we, we gotta decide whether or not he can be canonized. But, the one, the only, Sean Bean. This guy's incredible. This guy does two things, and he does them real well. He double crosses and he dies. He does those two things like no one else can. You see uh, him in a movie, you know he's going to do one of those two things, right? Either or, but at least one of them. The de his death in this movie, oh, it was a masterpiece. <laughs> I, I don't. A, I'm still trying to even figure out how exactly he died. It seems so excruciatingly painful. Because <laughs> it's like it's like he's being 
Is he being suffocated from the inside out by this thing? We'll have to get to that when we get there. Oh, but, man, uh, it's, it's excruciating. I'm how was his it. performance? Oh, he's phenomenal. He's he was great. He This could have been a nothing role. He added class to it. I'm going to say that he injected raw, burning <laughs> hatred into yeah? He plays someone with a god complex like no one else. Flawless. Flawless victory. He'll always be Trevelyan to me, you know? That's who he is in this movie. He's he's Dr. Trevelyan. He's Dr. Trevelyan in this movie. He's a stupid god complex. It's so good, though. Yeah, so he was fantastic, pretty much. So, are you trying to tell me that all the side characters in this movie were great? All the goofball side people were awesome, but the leads left a lot to be desired? You know, it's really funny because Michael Bay can't have it both ways. He either has his leads are phenomenal or his side characters are incredible. You can't, ha- I mean, Transformers suffers from the same exact problem. The side characters in that movie are incredible. Let's get into the brief history of the island. The creators of the 1979 film Parts, the Clonus Horror, which was also about a colony that breeds clones to harvest organs for the elite, filed a copyright infringement suit. According to a 2007 interview with Clonus screenwriter Bob Sullivan, DreamWorks and Clonus Associates reached a settlement, the specific terms of which are sealed. The controversy surrounding the lawsuit opened the floodgates to more criticism and accusations. Michael Marshall Smith's 1996 novel Spares, in which the hero liberates intelligent clones from a spare farm, was opted by DreamWorks in the late 1990s, but never made. It remains unclear if the story inspired the island, and so Marshall did not consider it worthwhile to pursue legal action over the similarities. Paramount, once sister studio to Dream DreamWorks, after its parent Viacom purchased DreamWorks in late 2005, then spinning it off again in 2008, was in talks to option the novel after DreamWorks' rights expired, but declined after the island was released. Marshall Smith considers it unlikely a Spares film will ever be made. Tessa Dick, former wife of the late science fiction writer Philip K. Dick, referred to the film as another PKD ripoff, accusing the filmmakers of plagiarizing Dick's 1964 novel The Penultimate Truth, as well as several other works of fiction. This movie had a $126 million budget. How much did it make worldwide? This movie was a flop, wasn't it? $250? That's a flop? In Michael Bay world, that's a flop. This is pre-Transformers, so... True. I'm gonna say $250 million. $162 million. Ah, it was a flop. Okay, The Island. So this movie starts off with a dream sequence. Not a good way to start a movie, I think. What'd you think of this thing? You know what? Story-wise, I don't enjoy it, but Michael Bay makes everything look so beautiful. I can't be angry at him. Yeah, I mean, I've said it before and I've said it again. This guy knows how to use a camera. Oh, it's incredible. You know, before this podcast, I openly disliked Michael Bay and the works of Michael Bay to everyone. I would, I would rant and rave. <laughs> you grab people on the street? Yeah, yeah, just strangers. I was like, I'm like a homeless man yelling about Michael Bay. But doing this show, I've come to respect the works of Michael Bay. What do you think of that? He's a competent director. I'm yeah, not going to... D- on I'm a not- technical level, correct? Absolutely. His plots and acting and the way he directs people still kind of iffy. But the way he tells a story, I'm going to argue, is good as well. Yeah? Yeah. The plots to his story, I think, are weak. And the way that he directs people is probably a little weak. But he makes movies that are accessible for everybody. Big mass market movies. Right. That's the guy. And watching the behind the scenes stuff on this movie, he is a really smart guy when it comes to doing action scenes. They they showed him behind the scenes doing the action stuff. He knows what he's doing. So I've really come to to respect this guy on a technical level. So I want to give him some props there. We've said it before on this show that Michael Bay loves his 
oranges and his blues, this movie is over the top. This is more intense than Transformers 1. Way more. And it's really oversaturated too, some of the shots. What'd you think of the look? I don't know. It worked really well when they were outside in the desert. Yeah. That was gorgeous. Other than that, I'm, I don't know. It was kind of distracting. Yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying. I understand. Let me ask you this. So this movie starts out with a dream sequence and Ewan McGregor is having all these weird dreams about him being in a test tube and I'm a test tube baby and he's floating around in a pool of poo and all this crap. So we know that he's a clone. So having already seen this movie, spoiler alert, Ewan McGregor's a clone. It's pretty much right off the bat you learn yeah, he's a clone. Yeah, that's what I, I want to ask you. Did they overplay their hand there with this dream sequence and all this stuff? They could have saved that for I, maybe halfway through the movie. I wish they did because they, I thought they made it really blatant that he was a clone and everybody else was a clone. Yeah, that was unnecessary. I thought it, this movie would have benefited a lot more if, like you said, we thought he was just a normal guy and all of a sudden, boom, the truth is revealed. I thought that would have made this movie substantially better. It's interesting to see the, how they just give so much away in the beginning. But then again, I don't remember, did the marketing material call them clones? I don't think so. I mean, if they did, I missed it. I remember seeing the advertisement for this movie, thinking it looked cool and thinking it was just like about like some futuristic society. I had no idea that it was about harvesting organs from clones. So the world is apparently full of pathogens. They've essentially brainwashed all of these clones inside of this facility to believe that the world has gone through some type of Holocaust event, some type of apocalyptic end Third world. impact? Yeah. <laughs> it's gone through third impact and, uh, you know, they're surrounded by a sea of LCL. So everybody, I, I guess, who goes outside gets contaminated, which I think is like a really interesting way to go about controlling a large amount of people yeah. with this fake disaster story because they're, they they need to stick together to survive. They have to. Their desire to live is going to overrule any like social problems that they're going to have. If you were doing something like this, you know, Joel, you're really into eugenics. If you're going to yeah. do if, if you're going to do something like this, that's probably the best way to go about it. Yeah, I, I thought it was pretty interesting. That, that's the thing about this movie. There are really good concepts. At least the first 50% of this movie, there are really interesting ideas in it. And a lot of that stuff just kind of gets flushed away. But until that point, there are a lot of just fascinating ideas. In the, so all these clones live underground in this gigantic, futuristic looking facility where they all live together. They all have roles. They have jobs. They know their role. Yeah. They know Sean Bean's cooking. You could say that. There you go. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting society. Like you said, they're all being brain controlled and all sorts of stuff. I got a question for you. So this is all a big secret. It's illegal to make human clones in this world. And so this is a big secret underground facility. It, it looks like thousands of people work here. I was thinking the exact same thing. How do they keep this secret? It makes no sense because the people that work there, they go home. They show us later in the movie that they just leave. Yeah, they, they don't live there. And they don't seem to like really be so tight-lipped about it. <laughs> How is this a secret? Joel, I don't know if you know this, but loose lips, they sink ships. Yeah, I think I've heard about that somewhere. That's a huge plot hole. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Like, there's 10,000 workers that are doing this, and they're they're actively killing people. <laughs> and, like, nothing is getting out. No one cares. Everyone's just complicit with the plan. Not only are they complicit, the, the people seem to just treat them like they're things. But they'd every single person that, that does this would have to be a psychopath. Yeah, I thought that. Because these clones, the whole reason they exist is because rich people 
people in the outside world are trying to grow extra organs for themselves. So in case they need them, they could go get a transplant very easily. It's a good idea. But they, the only way that you can grow the organs in this world is if they're inside an actual living person. Which is bizarre because 2013, we already know how this, how this is going to play out. We're going to have 3D printers like yeah. making organs. They've already started to do it. Yeah. So pretty much. So like, this movie is outdated already. <laughs> it's like ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. But that's the thing that I thought about a lot in this movie. Like this is a lot of work and money just to grow an organ. Don't you think? I don't know who invested in this company initially, but this must cost so much money. Hey, follow the money, Martin. You know, they said one clone, 5 million bucks. It looked like there was 20,000 of them down there. So these people are going around actively murdering these clones and harvesting their organs and they don't care. No one in this facility cares. They, they're they not shaken, rattled. People are waking up during surgery while their sternum's being cut open and you'd have to be like a serial killer. That's what I thought too. Like when they, there's a part in the movie when one of the clones is pregnant and the workers take the baby away and then they, then they kill the mom five seconds after she gave birth. I thought, wow, these people are monsters. I remember seeing that scene and every fiber of my being was screaming, you monster, <laughs> you evil, evil monster. And I'm just watching this. It's almost cartoonish, the level that- It really is. Like like the level of villainy in this movie is like, is absurd. It's like a comic. I almost, it's, it's just not believable. It's not real. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they're not fishing, right? It's not like they're picking up this weird alien looking fish and then eating it. Right. You're looking at another human being, no matter what. Who's like asking you questions. They're, they're not robots. It's another living person with a heartbeat <laughs> talking to you, begging for their life. And they're like, oh, whatever. And they kill them. But anyway, on to more important matters. <laughs> so they're walking around this facility and this movie has come under fire. Why is that, Joel? Michael Bay has been accused of whoring himself out with too much product placement in this movie. Michael Bay has never been accused of that. Yeah, shocking stuff. I thought it was interesting because this is 2005, pre Transformers, where he would take product placement to new heights. But in this movie, I saw a bit of products. How about you? When I first saw this movie, I remember that being one of my complaints for not liking the movie, how I thought there was just over-the-top product placement. I remember seeing it this time, and after seeing the rest of Michael Bay's work, I see the product placements, and I'm like, <laughs> you're at it again, Michael. I saw Puma, Aquafina, Apple, Xbox, Amtrak, Reebok, Johnny Rockets, Calvin Klein, MSN, Cisco, Nokia, Cadillac, and Ben & Jerry's. All in the same <laughs> All the same scene. Scene, scene yeah. <laughs> The MSN product placement in this movie blew my blew my mind. My head almost exploded. Yeah, that's like the the new Spider Man movie where Peter Parker's using Bing to do searches. I'm like, guys <laughs> You guys, you guys, you guys lost, bro. Like, yeah, you bet on the wrong horse. Yeah, like the really wrong horse. Like MSN. MSN. Come on, bro. That's like him being like AOL's coming back. Ewan McGregor is the only guy in this facility of people who questions his surroundings, which blows my mind. How they were able to stop human curiosity and human sexuality—the most powerful drives there are. No one else in this entire facility has tried to hook up with another person in this facility. Facility? So essentially what happens is Ewan McGregor is starting to feel things for this other clone, Jordan 6 Echo? 316. Or Jordan 3, <laughs> yeah, for Jordan 316. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> 
Hey, 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 hey. I don't blame him for feeling things for uh, Scarlet Joe. Joe. Yeah. yeah. She's a very, uh, pretty yeah. hot and tempting. So, look, basically, she gets chosen for this lottery, which brings them to this fictitious island, this one last place on Earth that's not contaminated by these pathogens. And it's like, I guess, like, when where they get to be released in this new Eden. I really like the Ewan McGregor character at this point of the movie, because he's so inquisitive when he's talking to Sean Bean. He's like, oh, I put my laundry in the chute. It comes back clean and full. It, but who? Who does it? Where are these people? There's some really interesting ideas being thrown around during this portion of the movie. I think Absolutely. This, I think this part's great. He's questioning his environment, which is human. Now, let me question the environment of this movie. So, rich people in the real world are cloning themselves for the organs. Okay, wouldn't you want healthy young organs, not old, decrepit organs? Why are there old people clones? I think they want to try to match the organ to the body properly. But the whole point is to cheat death. That doesn't make any sense. Like, you're talking about the president. Why is the president's clone Yeah, age, yeah, yeah. The United States president 75 there. years old or yeah, whatever. Yeah, he's like a 90-year-old man clone. Wouldn't he want, like, a young man's heart pumping in his veins? And a young man's vein? Man vein? Man thing? Man thing. What a bite of word. <laughs> Yeah, I would suppose they would as long as it's not a different size and it fits in their body properly. Yeah, I I don't see why not. You know, I don't understand the aging process that they put these clones through. They hyper-age them, right? How does that happen? They don't explain it. They're in like these giant breast implants and all of a sudden like they come out and they're like some like sloppy fish and they're like 46 years old or something. Yeah, Michael Bay specifically added those scenes himself. They weren't Uh, in the script. Thanks, Michael. And he he explicitly said, I want them to be giant breast implants. No, he did not. In the director's commentary, I am quoting him. He said, I want them to look like giant breast implants. Wow. Thanks. You nailed it. And th- that's those, immediately what I thought. And that, that dude who was in that sack, he was floating around in KY, like a thousand gallons of KY. Is that what they made? Yeah. They just filled it with KY. Yeah, it was real goopy. What is his deal? What is... is he's a, he loves things that are drippy and wet. And oily. And, and oily. Yeah, sure. There wasn't enough people covered in grease in this movie. You know, I, I thought about that. No one was sweaty like Ivan Drago in this one. Not only that, no one was sweaty, glistening, and covered with, like, grease on their face. Is that a Michael Bay classic? Well, you know, I, I'm going to give Michael Bay some credit here. I actually quite enjoyed that scene with the birthing of that clone. He added that himself. He said, I want this in there. It wasn't in the script. And I thought it was one of the best scenes in the movie. When they have the clone and he's like a baby shriveled up, sucking his thumb. That's one of my favorite scenes in this movie. It looked really creepy to me. Yeah, it added a lot. So Scarlett Johansson gets selected to win the lottery. And at this same exact time, Ewan McGregor is given access to a key that allows him to leave this one little facility that they have to live in. It allows him to leave essentially the cage that these clones are kept in. And he takes this insect that he's captured and decides to set it free. So he climbs up this long maintenance ladder and he opens up a hatch. And the hatch opens to the floor of like a hospital wing. Yeah, why not? Who designed this building? Why not? That's not a hatch. It's a floor tile. <laughs> yeah, I know. What? It's like a manhole cover or something. Yeah, it was so weird. But uh, he comes out of the floor of this facility. He's like, oh, what is this now? And, you know, he puts on a doctor's blue hospital cloak. <laughs> he puts on his wizard cap and cloak and he walks down the hallway and he sees Michael Clark Duncan on the operating table. Who had just won the lottery. He just won the lottery. And apparently he's not going to the island. Apparently the Michael Clark Duncan in real life has 
partied a little too hard and he needs a liver transplant. Well, they're going to harvest it out of this clone and they got something wrong with the anesthetic. Michael Clark Duncan wakes up in the middle of them cutting through his sternum. I often hear stories about uh, this sort of thing. This kind of thing and they're yeah. hard. Like, they're like it happens in real life where uh, something goes wrong with the anesthesia and people wake up in the middle of surgery, but they can't move and they can't scream, but they can feel everything. Whew, what a nightmare. Yeah, it sounds like a uh, malpractice lawsuit. <laughs> Ewan McGregor gets downstairs and he sounds the alarm. He goes and grabs Scarlett Johansson. He's like, listen, baby, we got to get out of here. They're going to kill you. So they make their daring escape. Somehow he is a world-class athlete, fighter, fighter pilot. (laughs) He does it all. Gymnast. Gymnast. How is this happening? What's the matter? What's what's the matter, Martin? What's the matter? You don't like it? You don't like the the pointless chase scenes? For me, this is the cutoff point in the movie. Once they start running, this is, when the movie dives head, this is when the movie dives head first into the toilet? Uh, yeah, like it, it starts prepping for the toilet dive. Oh, it does? Yeah. All right. It gets, it gets, it gets lubed up, yeah. Uh, Michael Bay dumps KY on it. <laughs> exactly. Okay, this part of the movie, they run through a hologram, a giant, enormous, building-sized hologram that looks expensive. I'm going to ask you this question. I sat through this chase scene and all the other subsequent chase scenes, just kind of bored. I was just like, ah, whatever, get on with it. But I have seen... Interesting, dramatic, exciting chase scenes in movies. What makes a good chase scene? You know, I'm going to say you need to have something legitimately at stake and I need to believe that they might get caught when I'm watching it. Yes, that's a big component. In this one, I just didn't think they were going to get caught. How about we should care a lot about, about the, the characters? Pe- yeah. Didn't, didn't care about these people. <laughs> <laughs> like, if, if the Delta Force squadron that was hired to chase these people down, which is hired pretty quickly after they escape, which is something I think we should talk about. Okay. You know, they get away and within 24 hours, there are Navy SEALs, Delta Force, some guy from the French Foreign Legion who's leading them all. This is like the A-team. Where do they get them from? I guess if you, you just got to follow the money, I guess, right? Yeah. So this is when Gerard Honsu. Depardieu. Gerard Depardieu Honsu. What's his name? Jamon. Jamon Honsu enters the movie. I was glad to see him. I kept thinking back to District 9. It's a movie I like a lot. And I kept seeing similarities between that movie and this one. And District 9 had a bunch of chase scenes and action scenes and stuff. They're really interesting. Huh? I was interested. I was riveted in that movie. At this movie, I don't know. I was always at arm's length with the action. Although, the action in this movie is very technically well made. Like, right. the freeway chase and all that stuff is really well made. But I just didn't connect to it at any level. What's going on here? I don't care about the protagonists in the story. I don't care if they get out or not. If they die, I don't... It, it doesn't matter to me. They'll make another clone? No, I just don't care about them. I don't know anything about them and they're not emotionally compelling to me. Mm. So, part of me is kind of kind of wants Jamon Honsu's guys to get them. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. Which I don't think is what they were going for. They... I think they wanted it to be suspenseful and this movie was anything but. You know, so they get out of the facility, they meet Steve Buscemi, they have the typical Michael Bay gay joke in the bathroom that's been in like all his movies. Steve Buscemi says to Ewan McGregor's Scarlett Johansson, you are not people like me. What do you think of that concept? He You're not a human. He says it, but he almost doesn't. He's talking to them like they're children, which if you're going to talk to a person like they're a child, it means that you believe that they have some value and that they are at the very least human, which is why this scene just doesn't makes sense to me. Like, it's almost as if he has told himself that lie so that he can work there as a maintenance worker. Yeah. But doesn't believe it. Which shows in his actions because he helps them escape and then he gets killed for it and he's willing to do that because Steve Buscemi 
mean, he does the right thing. So they escape. They're on the run. Steve Buscemi helps them out, gets them on a train, and they're off to try and find their originals in the real world. They feel that if they can get to them, they can say, hey, I'm your clone. Help us. We need to stop this. You know, they're trying to kill us. We're alive. We're conscious. Somebody help me. Yeah, so they're, they have this gigantic freeway chase, which is very similar to the gigantic freeway chase that's in the Transformers series. So much so, if you remember that uh, scenes from this movie were recycled in Transformers 3. Oh, great. So they use the exact same location for the freeway chase. So Michael Bay loves his freeways. I guess they make great locales for, for chases. Either that or it's just easier to set up action scenes with them when you have a, a giant stretch of land that you can control. Probably that too. Yeah, so how is it possible that these clones who are three and four years old have never seen the outside world before are able to outsmart Delta Force members? That's I'm, a problem, right? Let's just go with something like real simple. How are they able to operate this Hover bikes and cars and all this stuff. How's that happening? What's a car to them? What's any of this stuff to them? Do they even know what a watch is? Like, they should be completely and utterly lost. They should be unable to navigate through the world. And scared. They should be scared. Terrified. This movie just kind of jumps that entire process and assumes that they're able to immediately integrate into this society. That's one of those things that uh, I see come up time and again with these kind of things. Like, I had the same problem with the ending of Tron Legacy, the ending of uh, City of Ember did the same thing. It's like, if you're a person who's never seen the outside world before, you should react to it, like, extremely. You should be, like, scared and everything. Like, what is that? What is that? Yes, exactly. All Every five seconds. Look, this movie is... It needs to do this, I think, or else the movie just wouldn't work. They wouldn't be able to do what they want to do action scene-wise and follow the same action movie script. Yeah, so the moment Ewan McGregor gets out, he's a, a fighter pilot, top gun level. I mean, that's just part of the action movie script. Once they escape oppression, they're able to all of a sudden be the master of all these different vehicles and their master weapon, their snipers... <laughs> They're they're demolition <laughs> experts. Yeah. It's like, how is... What? They make the argument that uh, Ewan McGregor is somehow has genetic memories from his benefactor sponsor. What do you think of that concept? Boo. You don't think that actual thoughts can be passed on through a blood drop? I mean, if you're an indigo child, maybe. <laughs> Dancing by fire? Yeah, of course. Digital downs. So Ewan McGregor makes it to his clone. Or, well, Ewan McGregor makes it to the original. He's the clone. And he's like, oh, help me. I'm you. You're me. Huh, Where's you? Hey, oh, was, yeah. And Ewan McGregor, his real self is dying from super AIDS or something? Super syphilis? Yeah, something like that. Sure. I've never heard of that before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah? Is this some new futuristic STD that we're unaware of? Ultra gonorrhea? Yeah, it, it was almost as if he had like the mega clap and he just... He'll be dead in a year or something. Yeah, him. his genitals will fall off and he'll t- turn to dust. So he's getting his organs replaced. And I guess if you were in this situation and you were Ewan McGregor, the original, what would you do? I would do exactly what he did. Turn him in and try to get him killed? The alternative is you die. You turn him back into where he's supposed to be. What do you do? You, you're going to turn him back into the... Uh... Uh, the police? Yeah, I'm going to call Commissioner Gordon and blow this wide open. I don't know. I, I see it from his perspective because he, A, he paid $5 million and they lied to him. Yeah, but it's a human life at this point. B, he's going to die of the super AIDS. So you'd be desperate to do anything. You're not going to lie down. No, you're not. But I'm asking you what you would do right now. I probably would do the same thing he did. Like I'd panic. Like I don't want to die. No, I should just say, oh, okay. It just No, you up. should try to help him. Yeah, I don't know. Could you? Would you trust a, your clone walking through the door? No, because I can't, I can't trust myself. This was really 
cool. The acting in this scene was really well done between you and you and McGregor and himself, essentially. Ah, uh, yeah, they did something very smart where they gave real Ewan Scottish accent and fake Ewan American accent, so you could tell them apart. So Ewan McGregor kills his original, and the, now the clone is alive. He double crosses him. Yeah, I know. I mean, there's a lot of double crosses in this movie. Sean Bean is double crossing everybody. Like he lives up to his name, of course. Double crosses people in this movie. Ewan McGregor is double crossing the original Ewan McGregor. Double crosses the clone, and so on and so on. A lot of double crossing. So the movie had a, a freeway chase before. Then they had another freeway chase. Isn't that one too many? I don't know. Michael Bay can't get enough of his freeway chases. I, like the, the first time, fine. But when you do it again, the second time, that's way too much. He should have just pulled up to wherever, the headquarters. <laughs> yeah. And they shouldn't have showed any freeway. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. It, it, the movie would have just ended the moment he got into the car. Well, let me, let me ask you this. So Ewan McGregor goes back to the facility to free the clones. His name is Lincoln. He's going to free the clones. Coincidence? I don't think so. <laughs> Dismiss this coincidence. Yeah, so Lincoln frees all the clones. They run out of the building. These Sean Bean dies a horrible Sean death. Sean Bean dies a horrible death where he just gets like <laughs> choked by this by those harpoon guns. Oh, it's terrible, but it's so good. Sean Bean, he knows what he's doing. And they don't really show what happens to these people after this, but they're just in the desert. They should just die. Oh, yeah? Because besides you and McGregor, all these clones are completely inept and incapable of taking care of themselves. That's like the ending of Wally. Remember that? I do. All these uh, fat idiots who don't know how to even walk are left to their own devices on this planet. They're all going to die, right? Absolutely. Or at least like 90% of them die. For sure. It's pretty bittersweet. It's a bittersweet symphony. <laughs> it really is, yeah. I, this movie ends, it's so anticlimactic the way it ends. All the all the clones are freed. They're walking around the desert. They're happy. The end. What's the aftermath of this? Uh, I I don't know. I'd like to see that. I'd like to see like how society reacts to yeah. this company creating artificial people. I want to see the, the, the stock of the company drop to zero and all those people going to jail, all that. that where was that stuff? That That's like a five minute scene. Joel, do you, do you demand justice? Yeah, sure. Nice. So that's pretty much it. That's the island. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It came and it went <laughs> as quickly as it came. It disappeared. Yeah. All right. Let's find out what the real critics have to say about this movie. Since Michael Bay never knows when enough is enough, every chase is restaged over and over again, and the narrative matrix is as simplistic as it is repetitive. Rex Reed, New York Observer. If the island qualifies as cheese deluxe, even by Michael Bay standards, it's because it's the only one in his lavishly decadent oeuvre that actually pretends to trade in ideas. Jeff Pevier, Toronto Star. And finally, calling the island a popcorn old-fashioned summer movie is fair, but it's also also sad since it could have been more, but movies that aim low rarely achieve any kind of altitude. James Rodinelli, Real Views. Okay, this movie has a 40% around tomatoes. Is it really that bad? I think 40 is a little bit too low. I think that this movie is probably about a 60% on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. I was thoroughly entertained the entire time, which I know that you were saying that, that you were bored during a lot of the chase scenes. I didn't enjoy them, but I wasn't like, oh, please stop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was enjoyable to see these people, you know, get their comeuppance, as they say. And I had fun watching the entire thing. The ending was really anticlimactic, and I was just like, that's it? I, I it kind was, of... It was a wet fart. It was. I kind of expected them to continue on after the credits or something, just keep going to explain what happened. You know, I actually fast-forwarded through the credits to see if there was something more at the end. Nothing. Oh, it's terrible. I, I hate it. I hate that when movies have that happen. But at the same time, there was a lot of interesting ideas in this movie that were presented, and they just didn't go anywhere with them, which is a 
shame. There's a lot of cool ideas in here, and may- maybe it is a little too much for a two-hour movie, but um, definitely had the potential. Michael Bay can direct beautifully. Um, he's a very competent director. We've been harping on that this whole episode, but it's it is really true, and it does count for something. But you and McGregor and Scarlett Johansson, like as far as anchoring this movie down with characters that are relatable that I care about, that just did not happen. So I really didn't get too involved in this movie. I'm gonna give it a three out of five stars. It's not terrible. It's something that if it was on FX and I was like in a food coma after Thanksgiving, I might not turn the channel. As for me, it's really that bad. You know, no, I'm, I'm gonna say no. It, it isn't that bad. I think it's up there with some of the better Michael Bay movies. I'm gonna go with a three out of five on this one. Just because that first half is as strong as it is. Very interesting ideas are being thrown around there. But then once the actual plot kicks in, a lot of that stuff just gets thrown away. They don't bother to think anymore. It's just action scene after action scene. It's tiring. I I don't really care about what's going on in this stuff. So I don't know. I feel like I say this over and over and over again with these movies. Like it starts off interesting and then all of a sudden when the action starts, it turns to crap. You just love dramas. I never thought uh, it would come to that. But watching all these kind of movies back to back has turned me into this kind of person. You know, as far as the Michael Bay pantheon of films are concerned. Yeah, I was thinking that. Where does this lie? He doesn't make terrible movies. He, he, He doesn't. I mean, there are some of his movies that are really bad, but Michael Bay, is he averages around like a three. I'm going to go maybe Armageddon, Transformers 3, this. Yeah? Of the movies we've done so far. I might put, hmm, I might put Armageddon, this, then Transformers 3. Oh, ah, okay. Yeah, this gets number two. Where does Transformers 2 lie in your pantheon? Uh, You know, bargain basement prices all the way at the bottom there. <laughs> okay, let's read some listener mail. Okay, Jack writes in and says, Hey guys, I love the podcast. I love the way it is but I do have a suggestion for the improvement of the listener experience. I would love to see a comeback of the question of the week. I can't speak for the other listeners of the podcast, but I absolutely love the question of the week. So he goes on like that. He wants to return the question of the week. What do you think? I don't know. We always have trouble thinking of a question of the week. That's one of the reasons why it got the axe. Axe body spray? Yeah, I sprayed axe body spray on my computer. Yeah, Yeah, so that's why we don't do it anymore. Yeah, yeah. that's one of the reasons we we would just sit here for like 15 minutes wasting our time coming up with... Ooh, let's ask him what kind of chocolate Johnny Depp eats after chocolate and <laughs> like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we couldn't come up with anything interesting anymore. And then when I would toss it up to the listeners to do, eventually that well dried up. So it, it just took up time. And I want to streamline the show, not add more to it. Justin writes in and says, Fidelio, I am writing about the newly discovered Yeah, It's That Bad Wikipedia article Joel posted on Facebook. Did you read that? I did. I did not write that article, but I have been working on something similar in my free time. I drive for my job, so I've had a lot of of time to listen to the past episodes. I've been working my way forward from episode number one, listing items as they happen. It's not finished, but I've attached the first 10 episode listing for an example. And he sent me this PDF file of all the things he discovered. It's pretty good. Anyway, I will continue to work on this in spite of the wiki article, though I may use some of the information in my compendium. My hopes are being crowned as the official Yes That Bad historian with privileges on par with that of gun expert Miles. But that would require the triumvirate to touch fingertips. So that decision is up to you. Keep up the good work, Justin. What do you think of that Wikipedia page? Explain what you saw. I saw that I have paramedic EMT training, which is not true. (laughs) Yeah? I'm not a paramedic. (laughs) But I fly in a helicopter and like... In the previous episode, we made a a call for someone to make a Wikipedia page for us as a way for new listeners to get a handle of what the hell is going on in this show. You like how Kevin is... uh... Yeah. Oh, what did it say? It says that he loves Gilmore Girls. Yeah, that's not true. 
true? He was not happy about that. Joel loves Gilmore Girls. Yeah, it's me who watches Gilmore Girls occasionally. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to shoot anybody down to make a Wikipedia page about us. You can go for it. Go, go, go for it. Connect four. Yeah, Wikipedia deleted our article because we're not notable enough. How do you feel about that? I agree with them. I mean, we could uh, look. There's going to come a time where we'll just buy out Facebook and incorporate them into the yeah, it's that bad conglomerate. We'll buy them just to shut them down. Absolutely. Out of spite. Out of pure spite. <laughs> Everybody's accounts are just shut down. <laughs> There you go. So I'll, I'll post a link to the Wikipedia article that I found. It's still archived on the internet somewhere. And I'll also post a link to this article that uh, Justin wrote. It's pretty good. Should this thing ever come to life, I would chip in and add uh, corrections <laughs> to uh, the documentation. Yeah, no, I'll definitely jump in there also. Because by the way, uh, you misspelled Miles. And, and so did the original uh, person too. You guys misspelled Miles' name. That'd be one of those things I'd have to correct. Resident gun expert. Yeah. Show him a little more respect. Seriously. <laughs> Okay, so thanks for those emails, guys. If you want to contact us, you can reach us at yeahitsthatbad at gmail.com. Okay, now it's time to announce next week's movie. And for next week, we're going to be reviewing the 1997 Jennifer Lopez classic, Anaconda. That's right. It's been a long time coming, this one. You seen since this the beginning. Yeah, since the start. Yeah, I've seen this movie. John Voight is pretty good. There's some good snake deaths in here. That snake eats a lot of people, right? John Voight has a really interesting accent in this movie. I can't put my finger on it. Okay. <laughs> okay, yeah. Tune in next week when we'll be reviewing Anaconda. Okay, thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you've heard, please consider subscribing. We have a new episode every Tuesday. Please help spread the word of the show to all your friends who are liking us on Facebook, facebook.com slash bad. Please leave us a positive review on iTunes. Those five-star reviews really do help out the show. You can follow the show on Twitter at yeah, it's bad. You can follow Martin at yeah, it's Martin. You can follow Kevin at yeah, it's Kev. And you can listen to the show on all your mobile devices via Stitcher. You can get that at stitcher.com. Don't forget to get our latest premium podcast podcast at yeahitsthatbad.bandcamp.com and you can listen to all our previous episodes at yeahitsthatbad.com Once again, thanks for listening to the show. See you next time. They socialize freely. Yeah, but you're not allowed to touch each other. Proximity warning. Is there prison sex? Boom, 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 ba-da-da, boom, 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 boom. Oh! I don't want to be. I don't want to be. You lost me, then you grabbed me. Put away the Don't you ever let go. Don't you lie, cheat and steal. Thank you. Kevin, you're on speakerphone. No, I'm, uh, no, we're still waiting for you. We're not going to record until you come over. I don't care where you are. I don't care what part of New Jersey you're in. You're coming over. Well, I'm going to be another two hours, so <laughs> you, we wouldn't be starting until tomorrow. Did you watch the movie? I'm assuming you watched the movie, right? Even if you weren't no, going to be on the show? I the movie. I had a wedding to go to tonight. I wasn't going to record. <laughs> Yeah, but you should have just watched it anyway. Yeah, I mean, out of your duty. I watched Cloud Atlas then. Oh, good That's choice. Good idea. <laughs> <laughs> Which had... I was, to be honest with you. How it, much gender bending was in that movie? There, it was the most gender bending I've ever seen in my life. Uh, Cloud Atlas stole a lot of ideas from the island. Okay. Do you remember? There was like an island-like concept. I, I guess... Man, you're stretching real hard. What the with the androids? They were like, you're gonna go to the island. Yeah, it's not like the island created that idea. Yeah. It did. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. So what are you in the middle of recording right now? Yeah. I'm in the middle of recording you. Ho! What a twist. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, you're live on film right now. I know. We're reviewing a Sean Bean movie, and we double-crossed you. Yeah. Okay, I just wanted to clear that up and make sure you didn't think I was on my way over. Cause that was actually a text to my mom, because she's watching the baby. The way or know we're on our way to her house, actually, and get the baby out. How did my name get uh, anywhere near mom or mother or home? I actually have you on my phone under mother, and my mom's under mom. So <laughs> that I makes perfect sense. <laughs> Uh, all right, I gotta go. All right, Kevin, uh, rest in peace. <laughs> what? All right, all right, bye. Amen.